the Finance Trends and Disruptions podcast, powered by Stampley. Disruption, innovation, myth versus reality. The truth, featuring the voice of the office of the CFO, Ernie Humphrey. Hello, everyone. I'm Ernie Humphrey, the Vice President of Thought Leadership at Stampley. I'm thrilled to welcome everyone to the Finance Trends and Disruption podcast. I'm honored and humbled to have Craig Jeffrey, Managing Partner at Strategic Treasure, as my guest on our episode today, Achieving Treasury Success in the Remote Reality, Trends, and Technology. Craig Jeffrey formed Strategic Treasure in 2004 to provide corporate, educational, and government entities direct access to comprehensive and current assistance with their treasury and financial processes. He has 20 plus years of financial and treasury experience as a practitioner and as a consultant, which have him uniquely qualified to help organizations craft realistic goals and achieve significant benefits quickly. I've been a fan of Craig's for many years. Strategic Treasure has amazing talent, including his own, to help companies unlock the strategic value of treasury. But what has made me such a fan is the Strategic Treasurer Surveys, his great podcast, and he is one of my favorite speakers. But most importantly, he truly shares my commitment to serving the treasury profession. Craig, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you so much, Ernie. So every company is dealing with disruption as we're all working remotely. You formed the Treasury Coalition um, as the impacts of COVID-19 began to unfold back in late February to help all of us Treasury and finance leaders share our sentiments, challenges, and reactions to deliver business as usual, how we do that in the next normal. You've created a great vehicle to do this via the weekly Global Crisis Monitor Survey. Can you share with us how you came up with the idea for the Treasury Coalition? Sure. You know, it started off, I was, I've always been frustrated whenever there's some kind of disruptive event. We always wait till the end to do some type of uh, debrief or post-mortem. Why do we have to wait after everything is done? Why can't we learn uh, while things are happening? Um, and that triggered the idea to do a Treasury Coalition. As you know, we do a ton of surveys. We do 12 annual surveys. So we've been doing these for over a decade. And uh, you know, I, I wanted to gauge how people were uh, feeling and reacting on a weekly basis. So instead of waiting every year to do something, you know, the longitudinal survey you know, every year and what's occurring and changing over time, let's do this week by week to see how our attitudes, perspectives, and actions change and what we can learn from that for this particular disruption, but also that may give us other insights in future disruptions to see how our attitudes and views change um, and what might give us an indication on we're coming out of something or what's, what's effective. Great. Thank you so much. So uh, I myself, I've been trying many years unsuccessfully <laughs> to, to get organizations that serve the treasury profession to collaborate. Can you share with me how you were able uh, to make this happen? That's part one. And then part two, can you share with me some of the minor challenges that you might be having in managing this great coalition of strong-minded individuals? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good set of questions. I'll, I'll try to take, uh, take them in order. You know, I think um, you know, what, what worked for us is you know, we're, a, we're an advisory firm, so we're a consulting firm, but we're also a research organization. And because we've been doing so much research over a period of time, I think you know, putting a coalition together that is research-oriented um, gave us that basis because people were familiar with us throughout North America, Europe, maybe less so in Asia. And that allowed us to gain the type of um, 
uh, buy-in to do this very quickly. And a couple people came on. We asked a few. Um, they said yes right away, and then it grew rapidly. And then now we're not asking people specifically, but people are coming and say, can we join and add our network of, of clients or network of contacts to make this uh, work out better? So that was part of your first question. And then your next, I guess part of the, the first question you had, as well as this, this compound question, um, you know, about the idea for the Treasury Coalitions, we needed to get enough data each week mm-hmm. to make it substantive, right? You know, if, you know, if, you get, if your N is six, that's not very impressive right. you know, if you have six respondents. And so since we're doing it weekly, we have to get a lot of people to take the survey every single week. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is we need to get a lot of people who had good audiences and who would promote it. So that's also part of the reason why we said we, got, we have to get more people involved. And you know, the idea of competitors can be involved when it makes sense for the whole industry. There's not that's a natural way to work together, and there's a lot of times where there isn't a natural way to work right. together. But, but to your question about how, what are the challenges in managing a coalition of people from different organizations who may have a lot of things going on? I don't know that we have that solved, but a couple things we do, and, and you're part of this, and, and thank you so much for participating in the, in the coalition and, and helping to promote it. That's just, that's just really great. Um, we have a we put out a weekly uh, communication to everybody who's a member in, of the coalition. Mm-hmm. We have a weekly web call where we go over the results. We uh, ask for input on what other questions do we need to see. And so we share a lot of information. We encourage and we you know, chide a little bit too to <laughs> make sure people are cycling this to the promotion because people are promoting other things as well and we're mindful of it. And I think finally the last area of challenge I think it's going to get harder as we continue to move through the disruptive event is if someone says, now I've taken the survey eight times and 10 times and 12 times, I'm mm-hmm. going to skip a couple weeks. So we want to make sure mm-hmm. that the, the focus stays on there because there's a ton of learning. And if we have enough numbers, we can cut the data in some different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let me go ahead and, and dovetail on that uh, just a little bit. Sure. So one of the things that's really impressive to me is if I look at the demographics across the globe and how this has really reached all countries and all continents. Now, I'm sure there were, but please feel free to call them out by name. Was it that you got some partners that were in those markets or what, what is it you think that really started to drive that more of that international uh, response rate and the, and the depth of that across the whole world? Yeah. So, um, the surveys that we run tend to be extremely heavy in North America, solid in, in Europe, mm, okay. you know, lighter in Latin America, South America, you know, lighter in Africa, lighter in Asia Pacific region. Uh, there's still some substantive numbers there, but not what we'd need on a weekly basis. So part of this was looking at those companies that share the same love of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did make uh, a particular effort to talk to some of the companies that we've partnered with who are uh, based in Europe or okay. very heavily based in Europe and have a, have a global footprint. And that, that's really helped fill it in so the coverage is, is excellent okay. across the globe. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, let's turn it looking at some of the results of the Global Crisis Monitor Survey like you shared has now been live for several weeks. Now, if you can do a rewind for me, I know there's been a long time since this has happened and you got a lot going on. 
Was there anything you really found really surprising, surprising part one or comforting in, in the first week's results? Because you probably were like, I just don't know what's going to come out. What was it that you were surprised with? And what is it that you're like, wow, I'm happy to see this right out of the gate? Yeah. So I think um, the surprise in a negative way was it wasn't that liquidity was difficult, uh, that there were concerns about liquidity, but it was surprising how uh, dramatically negative um, concerns about accounts receivable mm. turned. Um, it started off, you know, more than five to one negative uh, change over the past week or negative outlook uh, versus those that had a more positive outlook. And that was, um, that was surprising how negative that was as a particular area. The other thing that was comforting, um, very interesting, was that the care of employee health was number one um, in terms of how they rank things. And I was, um, I was pretty pleased to see that. I mean, um, you know, as opposed to saying it's liquidity or it's, you know, business continuity. Um, you know, as people were moving the first week, a lot of organizations um, in... Canada and the U.S. were moving to work from home, and Europe was moving that way too. And this still came across as number one. That was the the biggest area of effort. I, I found that really encouraging that there was the concern for people and their health, um, as opposed to just hard numbers. Okay, great. Yeah, that was. I was glad to see that as well. And one thing that I, I guess, like you mentioned, it was probably because it hadn't really spread across the globe, but. For me, and I know we've seen it as as the weeks have evolved, the work from home challenges were things that I really thought might have just a little bit more um, out of the gate, but I think we're starting to see those things evolve. But I, another thing I found interesting was how, you know, for the first few weeks, it's almost like people are almost in shock and now we're starting to see the implications, right? We think these things are going to happen and now we're going to start to see them. So, so let's just, let's go forward a little bit. Um, now from the most recent results, maybe the past few weeks, uh, what are the two or two or three things that treasury leaders across the globe right now uh, are viewing as most concerning in the, the past couple weeks? So, so what are we seeing right now or the last few weeks as far as our top few concerns? Yeah. So, um, you know, in terms of things that continued on the strength basis, the company response and the country level response, those were those started off solid. And mm -hmm. it continued to be very positive week over week in terms of strength. On the concern level issue, you asked about liquidity. Uh, liquidity is still a, a very big concern. It's number one or number two every week. In the specific area, AR has stayed extraordinarily negative. We had a week where it was more than 10x, 10 negative <laughs> to every positive. That's been the worst uh, performer or the, the most negative outlook that we've had. The impact on the business, the impact that the virus and the defensive methods that are used, different types of shutdowns, you know, scenarios. Um, the concerns are on the business impact. Those have been very strong uh, and are top of mind. They've moved to top of mind uh, each week and, and are very uh, significant. Uh, and a couple things on that, Ernie, because I think this gets to the, the heart of your question there. How is that impacting, you know, concerns to health and concerns to business? Uh, the, the health outlook has continued to improve um, when we expect the, uh, the virus to become minimal, has gradually decreased to become a minimal issue. Uh, the timeframes we expected the uh, virus to reach the inflection point to go down, those have all come in. 
But on the economic side, those have extended. So when we expect it to return to financial normalcy, that has extended essentially every single week. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to mm. add on that before I went into a little bit more details. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that absolutely makes sense. I think um, what we're seeing is kind of the reality um, of what this means and what the actual disruption has actually been. I think the other part of it is that I think we're starting to see um, people kind of remove their uh, stay-at-home orders. But I think um, what we're all starting to see, if you take an honest look, we're all a little bit concerned that people are going to get carried away. And then, then we're going to have kind of a bounce back. And so we're going to have a you know, business as usual might be closer. And then all of a sudden we're, we're going to be back into our, what I call the remote reality once again. And so I think people are a little bit more cautious in the way that they are seeing that. So let me, let me go ahead and, and dovetail off that. I'm um, just a little bit um, in terms of, you know, accounts receivable. The other thing that really popped in my head as this has evolved is this, this cash forecast. My brain just went, what, how do you possibly know, right? What's going to happen, especially on the receivable side? Uh, what you know, what are your customers going to do? What can they do? And how can you help them in conversations that you might have had? Is there anything that you're seeing yet? Any trends or, or maybe some advice, right, for folks on how to get their arms around that or how to communicate with their customers? What are you hearing um, in terms of uh, the way people might be able to deal with this or get their hands around it just a little bit for their forecasting? Yeah, this has been, um, forecasting has been really important to companies for you know, about a decade or so, that's been a top issue, and they spend a lot of time on it. And that's in during periods of stability. Now that things have gone, you know, become very challenged, your question takes on that, that core meaning, which is, which is, I know why you asked that. It's, what do you do when your forecast now no longer makes sense? Um, mm -hmm. Receivables is paying more slowly. Maybe we should have set up a a supply chain finance program to provide more stability on our side and with our partners. Maybe we should have um, gotten access to better data so we can adjust our models more effectively. Now, what we're seeing is there's a ton of attention from the executive management group uh, asking for more models. So people are people are running different scenarios, uh, readjusting their forecast. Um, to, uh, to try to get a better handle on how that will impact their cash flow because they don't control that as directly mm. as AP, for example. Mm. Right. Uh, let, me, let me dovetail on that a little bit on the liquidity side. So um, I was talking to uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Tracy, at High Radius, and she was telling me that she had heard and seen in some surveys that some of, uh, some of the corporates, uh, the banks were once again not wanting the people to draw on their lines of credit, just like 2008, right? And I was a little bit surprised um, that we have we've had to go through this exercise again. Are you hearing of that of anyone um, having any issues with their banks in terms of uh, their access, right? Even though the lines of credit that they've had that they haven't drawn on, have you heard anything on that, or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty complex question, Ernie. But a okay. couple of things that have happened, um, you know, and anytime there's a, a crisis, people look back and see what's happened with liquidity in the past, and sometimes. You know, access to the different lines may or may not have been available, especially if they weren't committed. So uncommitted lines, um, when a crisis or a challenge hits, people oftentimes want to draw them so that they have the funds. So a lot of organizations are saying, we need more liquidity to plan. And so even though it's more costly, 
we'll draw on our committed lines so we have that available. Um, you know, I think um, the level of that activity has uh, been diminished a little bit now because uh, of a, the activities from some of the central banks providing and uh, adequate liquidity into the markets for banks to uh, tap uh, the central banks like the Fed in, in the U.S. and uh, the Bank of England, uh, the, the ECB, et cetera. They're providing liquidity so we don't have those problems. They're, they're buying up assets to convert it to cash. Those uh, showed up very positive in our survey, and that's a, a really good role for the central bank. And I think that's helped a lot. So I don't see that as, yeah. a, as a big concern on the yeah. corporate side. Um, smaller business and consumer side, I think those are not areas of focus on the survey, um, but uh, there's definitely some impacts there that you see flowing through the, the economy, but, but not really on the commercial to uh, corporate size businesses. Okay, okay great. Um, thank you so much. So uh, let me get back to the survey results because I could talk to you about Treasury for hours and hours. So, <laughs> so, so let me get back uh, to the survey. So can you share with us, uh, what do you feel the top concerns of Treasury leaders will evolve to in the next few weeks? Is there, well, do they just be going in the same direction? Or, or what do you think uh, are going to be some of the top concerns over the coming months and why? Yeah, so I'll, I'll uh, start with a little bit of a projection, go back to what we saw in the first few weeks, and then get back to that in detail if I could, because I, I think you have some questions. So as we look at um, the next... Uh, probably the next four to eight to 12 weeks, so maybe three months is a better way to say that. I think we're going to look at economics and then the medical, uh, the medical situation. So um, what do we mean by that? So on the economic side, how are we responding and coming out of things? And then the medical side, how are these reopenings working? Are we being smart um, and we're still practicing physical distancing? We're not having giant parties um, or, you know, uh, passing the infection. And then how is our data and knowledge of what's going on progressing? So that's, those are the two things for the outlook. But, you know, we've had, uh, we're in our sixth week. We're just closing on our sixth week of the survey. Uh, we went from first week, the first week was a big focus on how is our business continuity plan? Everyone's moving home. They're doing things differently. They may not have had a laptop. That was a big issue, not week one. Week two, we moved to cross-training. And that's just making sure your bench is deep enough if some people are, uh, they're sick or they're taking care of someone who's sick. And then we've, you know, we've continued on to uh, you know, other areas that just show more maturity in strengthening what's occurring uh, in companies. You know, can you really work from home to get access to all of your systems or just some of them? Uh, to concerns about um, when can the economy reopen? When can we get back to doing business? A lot of concerns about how damaging that is to employment numbers, to business prospects. So that's been the, that's been the lead up to that point. So it gets back to the economics and medical side. So I can, I'll stop there. I'll talk more on those two things going forward if you want, or you might have some questions at this point. No, to, uh, please continue. I'll try and be quiet for a change. <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, sorry, I, 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 I can talk a lot. So, um, you know, in terms of, you know, you know, looking at the, the actual business opening, you've probably heard we have a V-shaped recovery. In other words, it hits bottom quickly and then rebounds very, very quickly. 
Um, or will it be more of a U where we hit a trough and then come up? Or will it be like a W where it goes down, up a bit, and then falls back again as we maybe go back into work from home comes up? Or maybe it'll be like a Nike swoosh where we hit the dip and then it's this long gradual trend up. So whatever letter or symbol you want, <laughs> I think people are looking at, you know, what, what will that mean? As we've surveyed people each week, that time to reach financial normalcy has extended from five months gradually up to nine months. As we look at a three-month outlook and a 10-month economic outlook, three-month has always been negative, very negative. Uh, the 12-month the is uh, you know, dip below positive, positive to uh, slightly positive. So you know, that kind of indicates a maybe a 10-month type time frame for financial normalcy. So unfortunately, that part looks more likely to be like a swoosh, like a long period of time. But, I, you know, to your key question about how will their concerns evolve over time, I don't know, but there's a couple things. I think the medical issues, you know, we're learning, that we're learning in finance what's going on, but the the medical community, the epidemiologists are learning as well. And we have a lot more data now than we had a month ago and two months ago. We know the models were wrong. They're learning, they're seeing what's working. Um, I think if we find out that, you know, it's like, oh, a lot more people have been infected than we thought. Um, there, we are building herd immunity or we need herd immunity. Um, when we reopen, um, are we doing it smartly? And it's, we're still staying within the hospital capacity. We're not overwhelming it and creating significant disruptions. You know, um, did we flatten the curve and is there capacity? And do we, do we open in a, a reasonable period? I think those are, those will directly impact how quickly the sentiment changes positive and can we move it to a U or even a V and come back more rapidly? That, that's, that's my uh, view of what their concerns will be. Okay, let me let me just uh, ask you uh, one more question. So, all of our senior um, finance leaders here, um, if you could just tell them maybe two or three things that they need to be paying attention to over the coming weeks with a much somewhat of a laser focus, what would those be? One eye should be glancing over on the medical side how that's recovering. I think that's we're going to do that naturally because you have a family and people you care about and you have employees, but the the the, the primary focus should be on the liquidity. Um, so whether that's forecasting, creating models, making sure you're paying attention to payables, receivables. And I think, you know, when we see disruption on the receivable side because, you know, data is being processed in a country that's shut down, uh, you know, the ability to move around so the employees are no longer posting things to AR, that's a major impact. So I think the other focus is beyond the, what do I need to do now for liquidity? The second part is what do I need to change so that I am much more stable uh, and I practice diversification in some of these business flows, especially when there's a human element associated with it. I think that's gonna impact what people do with tech and their processes going forward. So those are a couple things to look at. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Craig. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join us today. And also, I just want to say once again, um, thank you so much so much for your efforts in creating um, the Treasury Coalition, making this concept uh, come to life. And hopefully we can see much more 
work um, from the Treasury Coalition going forward. So thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, Ernie. Thank you so much for participating and uh, asking these good questions today. Okay, everyone, this will conclude our latest episode of the Finance Trends and Disruptions podcast. Until next time, the truth matters. Thank you for attending this episode of the Finance Trends and Disruptions podcast. I encourage you to visit www.stampley.com to consume more thought leadership resources to help fuel your career success. Make the rest of your day great, everyone. The truth matters.